12 minutes it is after 8 p.m. And uh, it's our budget analysis now. Uh, Finance Minister uh, Tito Mboweni delivering the uh, budget for 2021 uh, earlier on this afternoon. And uh, of course, I guess delivering it as is often the case to a very mixed reaction. And this evening we try and make sense of this uh, with uh, my three guests. Uh, I'm joined by economist and researcher at the Institute for Economic Justice, Busi Sibego. And uh, also joined by Executive Chief Economist at Alexander Forbes Investments, Isaiah Mklanga, and uh, a adjunct professor at uh, the Southern Center for Inequality Studies at Wits University, Michael Sachs. And uh, also Michael uh, is a former head of the budget office in the National Treasury. So somebody who certainly has a long history and uh, close to the uh, macro fiscal process here in South Africa. So uh, greetings to all of you and uh, thank you very much for uh, taking time to join us this evening. Busi, le le let me maybe start off uh, with you and just uh, your assessment of uh, what came out of the budget uh, earlier on uh, this afternoon. Hi, Abonga. Thank you for having me here. Um, I think generally there's great disappointment on how the budget um, turned out today. In particular, I think, you know, it's really an oxymoron to have um, pro-growth fiscal consolidation. I mean, by definition, fiscal consolidation means that you are implementing contractionary policies which will contract um, the economy itself, right? Um, and so uh, a lot of disappointment around, for instance, social grants, which are going to be declining over the next three years in a time where incomes are declining significantly, as well as a peak in unemployment rates in our country. Um, and so it is clear that uh, the poor particularly are not being prioritized in these policies. And I think um, significantly the Treasury kept saying that, um, you know, the constitutionally of the constitutional obligations, uh, but I do think and I do worry that this budget does not speak to those constitutional obligations as they, as they state that they care about. Uh, you make a very interesting point, and uh, it's certainly a point I want to come back to uh, uh, with uh, Michael, this idea of balancing the progressive realization of uh, uh, very important uh, I guess social services, infrastructure, and many other service obligations that arise from the Constitution, and I guess the resource envelope that allows for some of that to be possible. Isaiah, let me bring you in uh, here. Uh, similar question to you, I guess just your early assessment of uh, uh, what came out of the budget uh, this afternoon. Thanks, Abonga, and uh, thanks to the other panelists for, for, for joining and having this conversation. I think, overall, this is a good budget, uh, particularly if you consider the choices that have to be made. One of the things that we could have done is just to let things go as they could until we reach a stage where we would have to go to the likes of the IMF, where we do not have the liberty to say we can't do this. So the hard choice that Treasury took was to make sure that first our fiscal is sustainable. Fortunately, the revenue overrun that they have had uh, because of better performance in the economy than what was expected gave us some 100 billion extra revenues, which could be used first to reduce our deficit faster, but also to ensure that the cuts in government spending are not as deep as it was expected. And sometimes we tend to mix things. There is no austerity. Uh, we have never had a budget deficit of 
14% of GDP outside of war time period. How do you define austerity, Isaiah? Look, it is really a, a, you know, a decline in real spending. But if you look at the budget, it's really just very marginal compared to what we had in October. So for me, I struggle to see the austerity when, you know, a lot of spending went into fighting COVID and mm. even some budgeting for salary increase for government, for government employees over the next three years. Yes, it's not the same as it was projected uh, sure. at the budget last year. There's a decline, but it's not a decline in absolute in absolute terms, to say if a person used to earn X, now they're earning X minus. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize this budget as okay. an austerity budget. All right. Let's pause there for a second, Isaiah. I want to bring in uh, Michael Sachs. And uh, Michael, you would have certainly heard the uh, uh, two comments from Busi and Isaiah. Um, and I guess I want to overlay the question I was asking earlier. You know, on the one hand, Isaiah saying, look, we're in a tough uh, environment. Probably this is not... Uh, austerity and Busi on the other saying, look, this is rather disappointing a budget. Um, how do we make sense of those two and reconcile those two views, if at all, um, while also thinking about, I guess, the, the point that was made earlier around the progressive realization of key rights uh, and whether uh, some of those, uh, as we are enjoined by the Constitution, might be, uh, I guess, uh, things that we might not have the resources to meet? Yeah, I, I, good evening to you, Ayabonga, and to Busi and Asaya and your listeners. Uh, great pleasure to be here. Um, well, I, I think, of course, uh, th there are two sides, I suppose, to the debate. And in a sense, I think that there is truth in, in both. Uh, on the one hand, uh, there, there, this, I, I don't want to get into a semantic debate about what is the meaning of austerity. But the fact is that this budget and, and, uh, envisages over the medium term uh, a fall in the real value of social grants that is quite significant. We saw a 1.6% increase in social grants this year. But if you look at the medium term trajectory, social grants will certainly be growing far below inflation over the next three years. So at the end of that three-year period, the real value of that grant to, to recipients will be substantially lower. You're seeing similar rates of growth for uh, activities such as hospitals. So hospital, the growth rate for hospitals over the next three years is, is, is somewhere in the order of one, less than 1.5% per annum, whereas inflation is going to be around 4%. Uh, the uh, budget review is quite frank and, and honest, uh, I would say, about the impact on education. And it says that there are going to be fewer teachers, bigger classes, and uh, this is going to have an impact on learning outcomes, especially in the no-fee schools, which are the majority of public schools that serve the poor, poorer communities in, in mm. the country. So it's definitely true that whether you want to call it austerity or not, but I would say... If the Constitution says we must have a rising floor of social and economic rights, uh, we are not going to be seeing that in the next three years. We're going to see a very material retrogression uh, in those rights. Now, we can debate the reasons for that. Mm. And, uh, I mean, uh, I, I think put simply, 
uh, if the economy continues to go down and GDP per capita is falling, there's a sense in which this will inevitably take place. But that, that's a different debate. What I wanted to say is that on the, on the other side, uh, we do have a problem of debt sustainability. And uh, it, it is eating more and more into the budget. And if we don't solve that, pro- if we don't address that problem as well, uh, it's going to have very serious consequences for our society. Uh, mm. In the short to medium term, that could mean disruption of the financial sector. And, and uh, I think that that's something we should try to avoid if, if we can, because it, it can sure. only add to our current problems. I want us to pause here for a second because I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would argue that uh, a critical element of this particular budget was, uh, you know, the aim to present a very credible debt management strategy. And uh, uh, I guess we can debate whether or not uh, that outcome was achieved. But I want us to pause for a second, take a quick spot break. And when we come back, uh, we'll certainly uh, uh, unpack this issue of debt and uh, touch on some of the areas, uh, both in education and social development, uh, that Michael Sachs has touched on as well. We take a brief break now. We, cu- we continue with our budget analysis after this. Metro FM talk here on the Mighty Metro, and uh, it's our budget analysis uh, taking stock of uh, uh, the budget speech presented by Finance Minister Tito Mboweni earlier on this afternoon. And uh, of course, let us know what some of your thoughts are. You can give us a ring on 089 also out on Twitter. On at Metro FMSA, you can use the hashtag there, Metro FM Talk. We'll also take some of your views on Facebook on Metro FMSA. Busi, I want to bring you back into our conversation um, on the point that uh, Michael was raising at the end, which is, uh, I guess, uh, some of the uh, very insidious effects of uh, an unsustainable debt path um, or a path where our borrowing requirements uh, grow unsustainably over a period of time. And uh, we certainly do know that it has the implication of displacing uh, yeah, investments in uh, you know uh, social expenditure and uh, other expenditures that we need, but also has intergenerational implications. Um, a lot of people have suggested, Busi, that you know, effectively the finance minister's hands were tied, and uh, there was a need to really uh, communicate a credible signal uh, to the financial markets that uh, we were on a path to deal sustainably with our debt, uh, and even the peak suggested is really, I guess, part of that uh, type of messaging. What do you make of that? And I guess, what, what were some of the alternatives? Um, thank you for that, Ayabonga. Um, I think critically it's important for us to distinguish between debt servicing costs and the absolute debt. Because if we're going to talk about South Africa's absolute debt, there is no consensus on how much debt is too much debt. What we should be obviously concerned about is, you know, the debt servicing costs, what we need to be continuously paying to resolve this debt or, you know, over time, which is what is effectively displacing expenditure in other ways. But I think it is critical as well for people to understand that government has other alternatives. But gov- the national budget is not like a household budget, and we cannot treat it that way, right? The first and foremost important thing is government has tools in their arsenal, tax, monetary policy, which includes obviously printing money, but also buying bonds and decreasing the cost of borrowing, which households cannot do. But also importantly, we need to acknowledge how important um, you know government expenditure is. It, it, it constitutes 30% of our GDP or above 30% of our GDP. And it is important, therefore, to understand debt relative to GDP. That's how we understand debt, right? We say debt to GDP ratio. So if you are decreasing your GDP, which is what's happening when they cut expenditure, they're going to contract the economy, which is 
has multiplier impacts onto the private sector, which is already shrinking itself, what's going to happen is that debt-to-GDP ratio is obviously going to increase. Um, and so it is important that government looks at the tools in their arsenal um, and utilizes those tools to ultimately reduce the cost of borrowing. Um, and we also need to just rethink and question, and I think Treasury has to be held accountable. Treasury has been saying that they're reducing um, the debt-to-GDP ratio or debt since 2012. And we are now sitting at 2021, and they're just telling us that they're going to accelerate what they've been doing for the last decade and are hoping for a different outcome. I don't think that's acceptable. I think it is time to consider alternative, non-orthodox um, solutions to this problem. Okay. Uh, Michael, let me let me bring you in here, I guess, uh, just on the point that you are making and uh, uh, just to get your reflections on what Busi is, is saying. Um, I mean, the, the options that are open to us uh, as a country when it comes to the management of our debt um, and I guess, you know, the implications that that has for the denominator, which I think is the point that Busi is making, that uh, we have to think about, you know, the year-on-year uh, uh, implications of the interest payments on the debt, but also... If we're going to look at the debt-to-GDP measure, uh, let's also uh, pay some attention to the denominator as well. Uh, did we just lose Michael? Okay, who do we still have on the line? You? Okay. Let's maybe pause there for a second uh, while we try and uh, get a sense of who we still have on the line. When I hear two, yeah, then I know we're in a bit of trouble.